conspired to create. History will prove one of us correct. Wait, 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 you're not letting me finish, bro. This is how you become bulletproof. Bulletproof. It elevates him. It elevates him. It, it's always yeah. better if we fail. <laughs> it is so funny though so the, the the background on this is pete uh it's just the three of us our the world's greatest moderator is not here but just like j cal from the all-in podcast he wants us to fail so when i was asking questions earlier like hey i haven't got the login credentials he's like numb nuts can't you get anything freaking right you know what i'll just make dwight who has some degree of technical savvy i'll have him be the the login uh or the administrator, the administrator. And then Dwight texts me like, you need a login. I'm like, I know. So just, you know, it, it, it doesn't surprise me that Pete's narrative that he has to be the nucleus of everything is not only painful, but self-serving. So here you are, <laughs> Pete, you proved us all right. We can't hack your computer and get your log information, but we're not going to let that stop us from another great episode because we what hacked it. it. We went to Zoom. <laughs> Shout out to Zoom for, for allowing us a, a forum it's, to post. It's one hell of a workaround. It's probably yeah. going to be a top a top rated podcast too. It, it, it with the agenda we have, it will be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! So um, I was just uh, you guys are familiar with the Millennial Dentist podcast, um, Sully Sullivan. Yes, uh, he's a rock star. I was up there um, a couple, you know, maybe two weeks ago, right before Thanksgiving, speaking for Seattle Study Club and him. That kid has crushed it. Are you familiar with what he's done? I'm not. Uh, uh, he, built this, he built this thing. It's a multi-generational dentist. He built this thing called Sullivan Dental Partners. And, um, you know, he actually said he was observing like what we were doing over here. And that's what gave him the fuel to do it. And I walked up to his place. And I'm like, holy smokes, this is pretty awesome. Um, yeah, he's got, uh, you know, 18 ops, teaching facility, podcast studio, you know, probably, I don't even, I'm going to butcher it, but probably 12, 15,000 square foot building. Just total badass. I'm so proud of him. And he's a young guy too. He's like Dwight's age. Was it like 48? Probably younger. I'm, I'm just broke 40, my man. I just kidding, broke he's, my 40. he's in his 30s. But we did I'm touch sure on he's something. younger. Yeah. We touched on something um, over while well, on his podcast about this thing that no one seems to understand this, this dirty word, this profit word, this entrepreneurial profit word, because hmm. it's just so painfully unknown to most people. Um, that own dental practices and they really just own a dental job and they don't really own a dental business or a dental practice. And I think that even though we've talked about it before, I think it needs a, a fresh, a fresh uh, wording because it still remains such a mystery to so many people. Um, Dwight, what, what do you say on that? Cause I am the, now the world's second greatest moderator. Second greatest. Um, well, world's know, greatest backup monitor, backup um, uh, uh, moderator, moderator. Sorry. <clears throat> I think it's always interesting. The fact that, you know, even when we talk about valuing businesses, practices for that matter, things like that, you go back to realizing, okay, well, there's, there's the nature of most people are still only working for their business. They're not actually creating a sense of entrepreneurial profit or a sense of anything beyond the business themselves are still working in the business, not working on the business. And so it comes to show itself quite noticeably in the practices that we get to work with. Um, and early in most of our careers, we just think, well, this is what we do. We get dentistry benefit. We get the work we get, we get those profits, we put them in our pocket and we go from there. When in reality, you've got to build a business that runs on its own. Um, and you are in nature that, that entrepreneur. And so, 
It, this is a common theme. This is probably brought up most frequently. You know, every month we have something in the mastermind, yet this comes up every month um, as we're all looking at practices, acquiring and evaluating. But yeah. the bigger picture is what it means um, to the average individual if they actually understand what it means to be an entrepreneur. Because I think most people in dentistry just fall into being an entrepreneur, even though they maybe are not naturally their tendency to be an entrepreneur, but they're stuck in that environment. Well, I think we get sold up a line of shit, unfortunately, <clears throat> that in order to be truly successful, you have to own your own practice. And I'm not I'm not going to be um, obtuse to the fact that there might be some more pro profit that could be eked out or squeaked out, rather, if you owned your own practice. But for most of us, if we just take the, the binary decision between working as an associate in a, in a successful practice versus being a solo dentist in the practice you own, I mean, there... It's such a, you know, you, you might, there might be two to five or 6% more profit, but you're going to work like 80, 90, 100% more than yeah. if you just worked in it versus had a responsibility to work in it and on it. I think the 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 bigger um, nuance point is not to say that you, the, the difference should not be working as an associate or owning your own individual practice. It should be working as an associate or opening a dental business. Well, I, I, there's something to that and what you typically talk about in terms of vision, I think it's, it's sold. We're sold the narrative that you should do this or you should do that, or one's better than the other. And then even, even what you're talking about now in terms of profit and numbers, that's a piece of it, but you really need to sit down and decide what do you want to do? Some people it's okay to be shitty at, at owning their business and have less of a profit. If that's what they want to do, if they want to own their own business and that in and of itself is important to them then whether you profit on a higher or lower level is is completely irrelevant. I think the good point that you you nailed earlier is we're sold a narrative. You have an entire group of people telling telling a young generation of dentists, you need to own a practice. That's what happens. And it's because they felt they needed to who own a practice. Who are those people, Trey and Dwight? Like list off who are they, who is the they? Who are those people? If are, I was are... to define a they at this, it's the 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 baby boom generation of dentists because they viewed it as they always needed to. That that is probably the best description of it because it comes from all angles. But let's put it in a tinfoil hat. Who benefits from dentists opening up practices? Talk to me about that. What industry professionals benefit from this? Supply Ancillary companies. services. <laughs> Supply Say companies. Again. Supply companies. So the those guys. Who else? I think there's a whole legion yeah, of every bankers. ancillary dental service. I think there's a there's a bank there's a whole bunch yeah. of bankers. I think the bankers are in with the supply houses. I think the supply houses the and bankers are with the chair manufacturers. I think the three of them are in. You know, it's a big business, and um, I I agree with you, Trey. If you want to have this very specific um, office and you want it to be open in certain times <clears throat> and you want to call the shots and you want to practice a very specific, unique form of dentistry, then absolutely own your practice. But I think if everybody is brutally honest with themselves, most do it because they say, I will make more money. You know, I will make more money. I will have more security. And in fact, I don't know if that's true or not. I actually don't know if that's true or not that, you know, there might be, like I said, a couple of percentage points, but I think you're going to be working a lot harder. Um, the big decision yeah. is, do you want to have dentists and other people working in your dental business and make it run like a business? Or do you want to stay solo? It's definitely not true in the dollar per hour you make, right? I think is the best analysis of it. The amount of time, effort that you have to put in. If I, you know, if your total income, you allocate it to the amount of time that you're separated from 
personal life or family life or what you want to do away from your business, clearly the entrepreneur is actually making less per dollar per hour until there are additional individuals that are then working for them and that that balance reestablishes himself. But early on, that's definitely not the case. And, and there's something to be said for that. Most of the time, the only way the entrepreneur is getting paid is actually on the dentistry that they're doing behind the chair. And usually it's at a lower percentage that they would pay an associate because they're trying to cover other bills as right. they're trying to grow and scale the business, right? And do other things that don't directly generate generate income, which right. brings up that specific aspect brings up the concept of leverage. Mm -hmm. If you want to build a business and you start to make money beyond what your hands are creating, you have to create leverage. And, and it, in any individual practice, a good example of leverage so everyone can really understand that is, is a hygienist. A hygienist is a producer. They are creating income and revenue and you are getting a percentage of that revenue. That is leverage. And as you expand that mindset into now you have an associate dentist. Now there's leverage. That person is making money doing it with their hands. They're creating income for themselves, but there's a piece that you're piggybacking on top, on top of taking. And that's where entrepreneurial profit starts to be, see, it starts to raise its head of, of you see, ah, this is how it works. You start creating leverage everywhere. Or the quote that I always think of um, that you you hear in a lot of these books and, and mentioned on podcasts like this, but it's always the Warren Buffett qu uh, quote of, you know, until you, until you learn to make money in your sleep, you will work till you die. <laughs> and that's, and very, by the that's, way, that's nothing, leverage. But there's nothing wrong with that too, because nothing at all. A dentist is a very, very highly compensated employee, even if you work for yourself. Your very hourly so. ability to produce is so, so great that it's not this life of drudgery. Like if you're tiling bathrooms for a living that, you know, you, you can actually learn additional skills and, and make your hourly output so much better. But I, I think it's really important to point out that um, many dentists would listen to what you just said and say, hygienist is leverage. Are you kidding me? Hygienists make, in my area, they make $65 an hour and that's ridiculous. And they can't, you can't make money on them. And that's, first of all, not true. I know there's a lot of hygienists out there that have very um, high um, demands for their hour. And, you know, I'm batting 100 right now, a perfect batting average. Every time I meet a hygienist, I ask them, what is your ideal? I ask them privately, what is the ideal amount of dollars you'd like to make per hour? They always have an answer. And then the next question is, what on any given day is your average collection? And no one ever knows that answer. <laughs> So imagine like having a business conversation with, I think I'm worth this much. Okay. What makes you think that? Well, I don't know. I'm just good. And people like me. Okay. Well, how does that equate in the real world? Like how is, how can we have a numbers conversation on how people, how you think people feel about you? So I think this level of, of this podcast is the, the goal of this conversation is to understand like without knowing your numbers and everybody in it, you, you could never aspire to have a business. Um, and the other side of this is that there's no possible way to take on additional team members, whether it's doctors or hygienists, and not have it initially affect your bottom line. The three of us had to spin five plates and add the sixth and hope that one doesn't drop in order to break the inertia of the business so that we could actually start rolling the ball downhill. And I might that add hard. that cycle never ends. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it still exists today, building infrastructure. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. It does, yeah. So I think that everybody's just sitting there like, oh, it'd be so cool to have what Trey has. But it's like the work that gets there. I don't know. It's, there are ways, like, like Dwight said, there are ways to take your extra hours that you're spending on the business 
And by the way, that's the most that's the most stupid slogan ever. You know, I, I want to take Fridays off to work on the business. And you ask somebody, well, what does that mean? You know, payroll. Or, you know, I'm like, is that really working? <laughs> so you're going to take a job that you could pay like an admin person, like $21? You're, going to, right. you're a dentist. It's just common because early on, it's everything on your shoulders and you can't, you know, delegate. And so the only problem is, is that we as leaders and doctors tend to not be able to delegate that out. And we say, well, what's the value of bringing a $60,000 employee in or, for, you know, and it's just, you can see it when you put in a hygienist, you can feel it when you put in an assistant, right? But when you bring in admin people, it's like, oh, do I really? And it's just like, mm, I could do payroll on the side. It's no big deal until you start feeling it like every two weeks and it starts to be this grind. And yeah. it's not like later in this wisdom of I've been doing this for a while, my back hurts that you're like, I'm just going to offset this nominal task that I could have then said, wow, I'm going to give this to somebody who actually loves doing that kind of work and not, you know, and gets a fruitful job out of it. But on the back end, I'm having to do it instead. My dollar per hour in the clinical chair is nowhere close to, you know, what I'm wasting by going and doing some administrative work. But that is the natural development of an entrepreneur is realizing that that's, that's kind of what it takes. Now, I'm going to make a comment because I really love what Trey said about the idea of leverage. We actually talked about this in our um, Ask Me Anything office hours that we just had with the mastermind. Um, and it's something that I think is super interesting. I think sometimes we stop and we don't realize the fact that the idea of delegation is a sense of what well, we like to say leverage, right? So you stop and you say, and we talked about this at, actually when we were in person at the Delray event, where somebody stops and realizes that at the end of the day, you should not say, I'm going to hire another person and now, oh, they have payroll, right? It's bring them in, showing them how your payroll is done, giving them the chance, even if they're an HR specialist and this is what they do and they manage benefits and do all these things, but you can stop and say, I'm still going to sit side by side you. And I'm going to leverage my ability to grow this business by handholding with you. And leverage comes off the concept of a lever, right? So you are literally leveraging yourself, which means you're never taking your hand off of that lever. You're developing that individual, but you're still coaching, you're still developing, and you're still accountable for their effort and their success. And what I love the fact is that a lot of the individuals on our mastermind, they're like, well, I delegated it to this office manager. And they just... They weren't effective and i i well, just can't actually, i see all yeah, these problems right they abdicated it like they didn't delegate right. they right. abdicated it and i think that's a very natural i know for me personally and i'm sure the two of you have thought this before i'm gonna hire the ceo type mm -hmm. you know and they're gonna mm -hmm. do all the stuff that i don't want to do they even the best ceo without clarity on where of you're course. going would not be able to execute of you can hire a freaking like Diamond, you know. right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You could, you could, you could really outkick your coverage and hire the best one without knowing. And and that's the most common thing. They say, "Hey, do you want to manage, run the practice? I need some freedom from this practice. Here's the keys. Let me know how it goes." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Even if uh, Jamie Diamond was brought in, he does not know how to run a dental practice and does not in is not interested. Not not to mention he couldn't work at the level that we're working, and so it just wouldn't fit. But it does take you to be involved and to leverage other people, but that also means you're still tethered to them. So I thought that was such an interesting conversation and something that comes up in this situation. But as Trey brought it up, to be an entrepreneur, it's a matter of developing leverage and all the verticals and all the processes and all the development of infrastructure. That's what it takes, um, but it doesn't require anything beyond that. So, I mean, in the sense of 
entrepreneurial profits, uh, how often is it that we see in practices where it's just like, oh, we're looking at a practice and the individual's trying to show profits and it's actually what you would normally pay a dentist to do because the owner is just showing the only profits in the business is actually just their dentistry or they're underpaying themselves and performing and therefore the practice isn't actually valued as high as it is because there's no remaining entrepreneurial profit. They're just a clinician within their own business. And how then just for the sake that? of beating a dead dead uh, horse here, I think it needs to be mentioned again. Entrepreneurial profit means that if you're a solo doctor working in your practice and your practice does 1.5 million a year and you do, you collect 1 million off of your own hands and you're paying yourself a hundred grand a year and you show that your profit is now 60%, you are, you're, that, that is a false profit. That is not your entrepreneurial profit. That's not your profit margin for running your business. Because just the fact that you're willing to work for 10% of your collections, no one else is willing to do that. Right. If you are, Dwight, Trey, or I will hire you. We'll actually double it. We'll pay you 20% of your collections. Yeah, right, you'll, right no problem. Deal. No problem. <laughs> Just call any of us. Hit us up in the in the comments. What you need to do to, uh, to, to determine how profitable your business is, is you need to pay yourself what it would cost it to hire a guy like you. It might just be 25 or 30 or 35%, but that number needs to be baked in. And then the alarming thing that we most find when we do this analysis with our masterminders and our friends in, the dentist, in dentistry is that the sobering reality is that when you actually pay yourself 30, 35% and you realize your bottom line is negative, that means that you're actually losing money by owning your business. It's, it's, it is the data that might still be okay with you. But for many of us, um, when we had realizations that we were running a non-for-profit, it wasn't so pleasant. <laughs> Me included. So true. Me yeah. included. You know, there was times I probably- Mindset stopped. changed. Yeah. Well, I, I had, you know, $2 million top line and, you know, five $600,000 bottom line. I would figure when it goes to 4 million, that'll double. You know, at eight million, it was one hundred thousand. That doesn't feel good, because when you're doing eight, eight, um, sorry, with at eight million, it was one hundred thousand. When you're doing eight million dollars of business, you know what percentage of every patient is going to be batshit crazy? Call it two, five, ten percent. I don't know, but two or five percent of a hundred patients is very different from two or five percent of ten thousand patient visits. That's exactly right. Yeah. So you're running immensely hard, and you're dealing with a, a greater magnitude, an exponential difference of of team challenges and patient challenges. And if you're not going to be rewarded for that, you might as well take the entrepreneurial hours and watch YouTube all night and become a real estate investor. Because mm -hmm. if you're an associate that's making four, five hundred, <clears throat> six hundred grand, and you don't have it in you to own a business or have the desire or the leadership or the, the, the grit, I would no. say you could be far better off if you burn less than you or your burn rate, your spend rate is lower than what you make and you take the leftover and become an entrepreneur in something else. You know, imagine the hours that you guys have spent working on your dental businesses. If you'd have spent the same amount of time in real estate, just, just saying, I don't, I'm just throwing it out there. Sure. Sure. It's a good, yeah. I mean, that's, that's investment in, in wealth at that point in time. It's, and it's the recognition and acknowledgement that you get wealthy by owning things. Assets yeah. make you wealthy. So you a high income. To, it doesn't have to be so binary that the only Correct. asset I can own since I'm a dentist, it's a dental practice. Assets of any sort. Like if you don't want to be a business owner in your own practice, it's incumbent upon you to own something, maybe some Amazon stock. Correct. That's a business owner. In my so opinion. here's, 
we there's a you hear a lot of the comments where they want tactical advice people want tactical advice as well and th- that kind of brings me to a thought that's worth mentioning of the doctor that has one practice let's let's call it the one one million dollar practice he has broken a, a a threshold that many people never get past you tend to be in that elite club of over a million dollars of collections, but you you know you're capable of way more. You don't want to invest in real estate, or maybe you're at a, you're trying to learn the concept of leverage and you're still an associate in that regard. One aspect of that on a small scale is delegation of tasks to a an assistant. It, it's it's no different. Than giving, letting an assistant pack your cord and make your temporary. Right. That is the small, small step of saying, hey, if I can do that, now you can build a hygiene program that makes. Yeah. My dad never profit. did that, by the way. It's no wonder, you know, you, you know, my dad did what he did. He never allowed an assistant to make a temp. So that's like the, what a beautiful, uh, simple way to know if you're good with delegation. Do you make your own temps? Because right. if you can't trust someone to make your own temps, can you trust an associate to work on your patients? Yeah. Well, and then it gets into what what you talked about. You can't abdicate. You delegate from a position of knowledge. You can make a temp. Good for you. That's a really shitty waste of your time. Teach somebody how to make a temp and then turn them loose. Go do something else. Go cut another crown. Yeah. Go do another root canal. <laughs> And as you start thinking like that, that creates this mindset that starts driving forward. And you don't have to look into multiple practices or build a practice like Craig's. You go in and you just have to say, hey, I I, want to grow. And that's how you grow. You're freeing up time. You're leveraging yourself and making sure that you have more time to do what you are, what you're uniquely capable of. If you've you've read much of Dan Sullivan stuff, that you're looking for unique ability and it's the, you hear this from good to great. Good is the enemy of great, but great is a trap. I looked at it as I was a great dentist, but I see the dentists in my organization for my dentistry. They're also great dentists. That doesn't make any sense for me to sit around and think I'm a great dentist. That's not unique in any way, shape or form. So find what you're uniquely capable of and then go do it. And it might be dentistry. It might be, you know, how you build your practice or what you do. But all of that is leverage and it starts driving down the path of now building and focusing on entrepreneurial profit. You're creating something out of nothing. You can tell the leader, guys, when you meet that dentist that won't let um, the assistant make a temp. And and you can tell the psychology of that person. It's someone who says like, well, it's just faster if I do it which is 100% correct. The first time it's much faster if you just do it because teaching someone is inefficient. Onboarding an associate is incredibly inefficient. You'll make less money. You'll have to slow things down. So it's, it's, it just, it, I think it just kind of boils down into long and short term. Most dentists are, you know, being that they work in their own practices. At the end of the day, they want to see forward progress every day. And leveraging through other people, you're going to have days, weeks, potentially months or years of setbacks. Oh, for sure. And that's a hard pill for people to swallow that are used to being day laborers where I made X dollars today. 
I, I think this is best represented. I think anybody listening out there should just go on YouTube at some point in time and research the video of the contrast between Formula One cars in 1950 and the Formula One cars of 2015 or today, right? Um, it's such a great video. And if you haven't seen it, it gives you great perspective, right? Because Formula One, the only main concept in Formula One is what? speed speed to win the faster you are the more you win well in 1950s the great story that goes along with that video is the simple fact that the only people who were allowed to work on the formula one car in the pit stop were the actual engineers who built the cars so they would get on and not only would they put on the right tires and would they make sure that the engine's working right and that it was oiled and gassed and and that it had the wind even the windshield got cleaned by the engineers and nobody else was allowed to touch the car well can i tell you it took so long just to get in and out of the pit which was literally the whole exact opposite to the whole purpose of formula one was speed but it was it was a sense of pride a sense of craftsmanship this is the nature of who we are and this is what we've learned and therefore we are the best people to do it today there are whole schools on just how to interlock a lug nut off of a tire and get it in and out fast enough to where you can rotate a tire and that car doesn't stop you blink twice and that car is already out of the pit stop the concept there was allow others leverage what you're capable of doing and in fact lever lever the vision the greater goal the purpose of why you're doing something which is to get going get out of the pit stop and get back in the race that's quite literally the concept that we struggle with as dentists is we struggle with the sense of being like well i have to have my hands on everything because i'm driven by excellence well you're also driven by the number of patients you can serve and how well you can do that and your leverage to do that more through the hands of others through the hands of your team if you can get them to do the basics and can i tell you you asked me to do a, a temporary right now on a patient nobody on my team would let me do it because everybody on my team is so good at doing them they're going to not only do it better than i they're going to do it faster than me and they're going to make sure that there's nothing to worry about for the patient and mine might even come off you know two days later you get an emergency appointment uh, don't sell yourself short you're probably still pretty damn good at it well it's just the reality of the fact that you delegate out and then you empower others let's just forget that whole side of it the fact that now someone feels empowered and they feel that they get to do more than just suction spit and they have more purpose on their job therefore you have longevity and you have you know how many people in your practices have come in and worked as a dental assistant and come in and they're like well i don't know much because i was only allowed to suction spit at my last office oh, you know yeah. it's kind of it's sad right yeah and that that's where they stay. Yeah. Once you have the concept of empowerment down, that's how you start building your your operations pieces, your integrators, your people that get all the shit done that you need done. And, yeah, and I think the big thing is like Dwight's saying, they enjoy that too. You're not just, mm -hmm. I think delegation has this bad um, connotation to it that you're offloading the crap work, you're offloading the stuff. No, there's people that actually love working behind the scenes for a visionary person. Like, Hey, here's where we're going. Oh, I'm excited. Like we all need each other. We all want to utilize our strengths and, you know, cover our weaknesses. And there's wonderful people that want to want to help you get there. But what, what you said, Dwight, you said leveraging the vision. And that's mm -hmm. just something that people just don't understand. Uh, you know, I'm my one trick pony with the vision stuff, but not knowing where you want to go is so detrimental, not just for you, but for your team. Yeah. So difficult. Yeah. Absolutely. It's so good.
That's good stuff. Well, Tom, anything else, guys? Anything else? What else did we not touch on? I will say we had a really good conversation again in Mastermind with that one individual with often we look and I, I wanted to bring this up just because I thought it was a great conversation that Craig, you and I got to have with uh, this individual where she was struggling with a person on her team. And one of the issues that I struggled with was the fact that you could tell that there was so much of a separation between the team and this individual. This individual is a hygienist. She's productive. It's not like she's not doing her job well, all these other things, but she almost didn't have like, it wasn't even a cultural fit problem. It was a personality fit. They're fit. They're a little quirky, right? And it was almost like the, you know, these are small teams on some of these offices. And it, I found it really interesting. So I thought it was worth talking about because I would love to get Trey's perspective on it. But I kept hearing and Craig kept asking her questions of what was going on, what was happening. And little by little, it was just the little quirks of this individual that just didn't didn't fit with the rest of the team. In fact, they started to kind of be a little bit of mean girls about it, just kind of connecting on the side. And so, and, and the worst thing was I'm listening to the business owner, the dentist, the actual owner of the practice. And she's saying, she just drives me kind of crazy. Like I can't, like I go and I check on her and see what's going on. And then I go and I ask my office manager, like, what's going on? Like, why, why is she so quirky? Why is she so weird? Why are these other things? And at the same time, she's having a hard time recruiting for those positions <laughs> and having bringing in a hygienist. So in the meantime, it's kind of like she's spoiling her own environment, even though this individual is still doing her job, seeing patients, taking care of them well, doing all those other things, but they're letting kind of the festering of this personality fit issue not go the way they need to. And I, I was mostly focused on saying, hey, we're a team here. And as long as you have someone that's still on your team, that you've kept them hired, then you care for them and you treat them the best way possible. But I think the problem is, is that when the owner and the doctor already has given up and is already making fun of that individual to other people on the team, you've already killed all opportunity to integrate that person into your culture, or integrate that person into the team. So what was your, that's, I mean, your perspective over. on that? That's yeah. game over right there. Yeah. It was just kind of hard to hear, but at the same time, we've all been there. We've it's it's easy for us as business owners to fall into that sense of like, man, yeah, that person's just quirky as hell. Like, what are we gonna do with this? Yeah. And the truth is, is the second I say that, that feeds into an office manager who then repeats it to another person. Then next thing you know, this person's out, you know, by by way of team, even though they might have still been a good hygienist and now you got temps coming in who have no commitment to the practice and their quality of care is going down so what's your standard like personality fit to the team or quality of patient care and so it was just an interesting conversation i thought yeah i mean what is a business at the end of the day if you distill it all the way down it's just you know relationships with your team and relationships with the community and if you're going to own a business and you have aspirations to leverage your you know your efforts it's through people. And if you don't believe in them, you're going to screw them all up. You have to believe in them. And if the owner leader of the organization does not believe in somebody, no one else will. And until, you know, the, this, this particular hygienist, and I don't want to point out because I know she'll listen to this podcast. She's done Dwight incredibly well. Yeah, I mean, she's made she massive moves. So I want to acknowledge her. She's, she's very grateful. She's doing great, but it's, it's this awakening and a realization that it's, oh shit, I guess maybe I'm the problem. Like we all had to go through, you know, we all right. think we have the wrong people and, oh, I wish I practiced in Houston because it's so easy for Dwight and Trey or, you know, or Sacramento or the hell you're living right now. 
but in, in, and you know, whoever's listening, but in actuality, it's always us. And mm -hmm. if we don't believe in our people and we don't treat them as the versions of them that they could be, we make them worse. And I think that that changed my life. It's like, a, I think it's a, a quote. It says, if you treat people as they currently are, you make them worse. And if you treat mm -hmm. people as they could be, you help them become what they're capable of being. But for that particular doc, she doesn't, she has to reset that expectation for that person. And I think it's just even helpful to go to your hygienist who's not, who's disorganized or whatever. Is there anything going on in your personal life right now? Is there something I need to know about? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, there's something going on, like, you know, you're distracted, you're coming in late. Is there something that is happening? Uh, and then they may say no, but I appreciate it or no, my grandma's sick and she's dying. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, that's just good to know. So before you rip your team member apart, no, just check in with them. You know how many times, I'm sure if we're being honest, that we, we've had these things where we've actually launched at somebody with a corrective sure. conversation, not to sure. realize they're going through some major shit. Yeah. Yeah, you absolutely. Had to get that foot out of your mouth. It's the worst. Yeah. And the truth is, is especially in our organizations, because I've been around all, all of our teams, we all have a culture where we can be a circle of individuals and somebody sometimes needs to step in the middle and get support from the whole team. And there's nothing wrong with that. And the truth is, is that's something that we strive to have. At the same time, the same person can't be in the middle of the circle forever, right? There has to be room for another individual to be able to fit in. So I'm not saying like, hey, it's everything's got to be kumbaya and we got to figure it out and solve it. I'm not saying, you know, fit or not. But I can tell you from personal experience that I have been a part of the drama creating and talking about someone's quirkiness that then I realized got way out of hand because I didn't realize that as a leader, everything that comes out of my mouth is being heard through a blowhorn in my organization. Everything I'm doing is being seen through a microscope. So me your, just your saying energy, small words. Your, your yeah. presence, your state yeah. is being amplified. Absolutely. And so it affects so many more people, not to mention, God forbid, if that individual hears directly from you, that you are the one that I was the one who made that comment about them. It hits them even deeper. And the truth is, is I have experienced the point where I stopped, went back and said, hey, this is on me. And I had to go and clean that up. Come to find out that once we did spend some time with this individual, figured out what they had going on. They were actually a great fit. They're still with the organization years later, right? But it, it's so easy for us to listen to one little complaint from one person that we value in the organization and then take that as law and then empower that through our own verbiage. You know, it's, it's pretty difficult. So anyway, it's some of those small little things that are so tactically important to running a team and thus running a business that I don't think that if you ever get to, you're, well, you won't have entrepreneurial profit, but you also just won't have the kind of team you want to show up every day to work with. And that's, that's what it takes. Yeah. People are, people are messy. And what you made a great point of, we're all guilty of that. We're all guilty of, of running down that path, you know, in terms of, of talking about somebody or not embracing the quirks of somebody and then pointing them out in a, in a negative way. And then not realizing that you're not doing it to you know your friend in a different industry you're doing it to someone that knows this person within this four walls and then people talk they're going to go talk about it and it gets out the most most important thing though is you clean up the mess mm -hmm. everyone's allowed to make mistakes everyone can get messy from time to time and whether it be from something personal that's that's you know causing you to push down that direction or whatever it is as long as you clean up the mess and granted you you can't step over the line there's messes you can't clean up but 
learn the lesson, clean up the mess. And that's how teams work. People, you, you forgive, you move forward, you learn, you, you keep going. Don't make the same mistake twice. There, there's all sorts of things along those lines that you can apply to this that, that are good lessons in forming teams. And all of this is a team sport. So the person that you find yourself not sure where they fit or not, you either embrace them or you get rid of them. And by yeah. that, I don't mean get rid of them in a negative way. You free them up to do something where they do fit in and someone else embraces them. It gives them an opportunity to thrive and doesn't always have to be within your four walls. Agreed. But you embrace it or you kill it. It's decision yeah, making. The, ju- yeah, the judgment though in between, like I just feel like I might have the wrong person. That's one of the realizations we have a lot with the mastermind. They get to a point where they're open enough to say like, maybe it could be me. And when you mm-hmm. reach the point where maybe it could be me, it's a really great leadership point because you can lead people better. You know, you can yeah, try to sure. you become less certain and you can try and not to say that you're not going to lose people, but you can be really, you can become really clear and people think they're being clear, but they're not, they're not being clear with their consequences, what they want. Uh, they're not even being clear with themselves of what they want. Clarity is a very, very difficult thing to achieve. And it's something you have to work very hard and constant to get towards because what you think is being is being communicated is not what's being communicated. It's why the game of telephone is real. It's why that exists in so many aspects of your practice. Everyone thinks they're being very clear. And then someone says, I mean, it's all to the point where you say something and say, hey, repeat to me what I just said. And it's yep. amazing what will come back to you when you directly just just you know talked about whatever. Because yeah. people have their own spin that they put on it. They had they hear what they want to hear, and then you think you commuted what you thought you communicated, and that's not always the case. So clarity is a great, great aspect of this this whole conversation, but it is a forever game. It is a forever endeavor. Ha-ha. Yeah, look at that little rhyme. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah, yeah. I'll be here all day. Crazy. I like hanging out without Pete. Let's see how he does. Yeah. Well, listen, if you love this, if you just want to break some balls, if you love this podcast, please comment and make this go like the biggest ever. If you got any value on it, please comment, like it below, share it. Uh, we love to um, help the profession any way we can. And uh, I appreciate you gentlemen uh, making time on your Good Tuesday to, to hang. Always, you bet. always a pleasure. Take care, everybody. Thanks for, thanks for listening. Later, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.